Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here, my friend. The very first official episode of 2023. Welcome aboard. On this show, we'll have a review of Royal Caribbean's Serenade of the Seas, answering some of your listener questions. But first, Cruise News with staff writer Richard Sims. Hey, Richard. Cruise News with staff writer Richard Sims. Happy New Year, buddy. And Happy New Year to you and all the listeners as well. Another year, another gratuity hike. I like to describe the way cruise lines handle their gratuities, the way your mom handled your friends. You know, like your mom would say to you, if all your friends jumped off a bridge, would you? And, you know, and in your head, you're like, well, yeah, I guess I would. But you never say that to your mom. Cruise lines are the same way. Once one raises the rates, you know all the others are going to follow. So in recent weeks, we've seen, you know, we've seen Princess do it. We saw Norwegian do it. And so now here comes Carnival. Uh, The... Price is going up for standard stateroom guests is going up uh, from fourteen fifty to sixteen dollars per guest per day, and for suites it's going from sixteen fifty per guest per day to eighteen dollars per guest per day. And you know, on the surface, that doesn't seem like an awful lot. It's like you know, a buck fifty a day. But then you say it's a buck fifty per day, or I'm sorry, a buck fifty per day per person per day. And if you've got a family of four shoved in that stateroom, suddenly you're looking at, you know, a hundred bucks adding up real quick, real easy. So I've said it before and I'll say it again. I don't know why they don't just run these things right into the price of your cruise so that we don't know how much we're paying for the gratuities. I mean, we all know there are reasons they don't do that that we don't really talk about, but it would be smart on their part because they wouldn't be bringing attention to the fact that they're constantly doing this. The last time they raised rates was last month. May. So it hasn't even been a year since they raised them. Meanwhile, there's also the internet. Um, The internet prices are going up a little bit as well. The social plan, which basically lets you, you know, tweet and tell everybody what a great time you're having, 
is going from $10.20 to $12.75 per day. The value program is going from $14.45 a day to $17 per day. And the premium package is going from $17 a day to $18.70 per day. I want to know how they came up with these prices, like $18.70. Who did the math and said that's exactly mm-hmm. what people yeah. will pay? They won't pay $18.75, but they'll pay $18.70. Yeah, and speaking of Norwegian's increase, they made an interesting change, not only to cabin service, but also to their stateroom attendance. Yeah, again, this is a case of um, cruisers are going to be paying more and getting less. Uh, A week or so ago, as you mentioned earlier, uh, Norwegian boosted their prices up about 20% on the daily gratuities. And now they're changing the services that the stateroom attendants will provide. Whereas in the past, all guests had twice daily turndown service. Those in everything except suites and the Haven will now get once a day. And here's an important distinction when we say suites. Uh, about a year, maybe two years ago, Norwegian took some of their balconies and turned them into what they call club balcony suites. It's important to know, I've always said that there really is no difference between a balcony, a club balcony suite. There's like, you know, a slightly bigger bathroom kind of thing. Well, this proves that there really is no difference because they do not include those in the suites that are paying more. Those, if you're in a club balcony suite, you still get the once a day service, not the twice a day service that everybody in those real suites is getting. Uh, You know, they talk about the reasons they're doing this as being environmental sustainability because they'll have to do less laundry and how they're following the examples that are set by other cruise lines and land-based resorts. Um, But again, what really comes down to is that they are cutting services at a time when they are actually asking for more money. One of the other things that's interesting here is that in order to accommodate these changes, they're going to change the titles of the people who take care of your staterooms. Um, they used to have what they called a stateroom steward and then a junior stateroom steward who was you know, basically their assistant. So they will no longer do that. They're going to be morphing that into one position, the stateroom attendant, which means those who right now are considered the junior stateroom attendant – they're going to get a little bit of a price increase. They're going to get a little salary increase. But those who are actually at the upper level, their salary is going to come down a little bit and they'll kind of meet in the middle. Uh, What's kind of interesting here is that that clearly means that over time, some of these positions will be eliminated. This won't all be happening at once, which I also thought was kind of unusual. Usually when you make a change like this, you just do it fleet wide. But here they're starting it this week on the Epic and then will slowly but surely roll it out across the other ships in the fleet. I don't know exactly why they would make that decision to do it that way, but they are. So there you go. Uh, another story about uh, the constant struggle to get your money's worth. Oh, how we finance the cruise line's debt, right? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> An interesting excursion for guests who were on board Cunard's Queen Victoria this week. I have to say this is kind of cool to me. I'm sure they probably weren't quite as thrilled, but for it just sounds neat to me. So the ship is in the middle of a 15-day sailing. It left on Christmas Day, 
And um, they found out that they needed to take the ship into dry dock. So rather than cancel the cruise and like send everybody home disappointed, they took the passengers with them to dry dock in Cadiz, Spain. So they ended up having to skip a port. They skipped Lisbon, but they have an extra day to spend time in in, uh, Cadiz, Spain and get to explore it. I always thought the idea of getting to go to a dry dock and be on a ship while it's in dry dock would be, I don't know, I just find that kind of cool. Now, if you're asking why it had to go to dry dock, uh, it's pretty much always the same story in a case like this. It's the cursed azopods. It's always the azopods. They apparently had to uh, do some kind of repair uh, in that regard. That was why they needed to get this taken care of before they proceeded on this trip. Like I said, it's a 15-day Christmas and New Year's Canary Islands cruise. They departed uh, December 23rd from Southampton, England. So I hope that they like got some cool vid- videos that will show up on YouTube of what it's like to sit and dry dock while your ship is being repaired. Yeah, people would pay for an excursion like that. So I would totally, especially if it was like if while you were in dry dock, they were doing something cool, like I'm going to say painting the new livery. I know most people don't think that would be exciting, but I think that would be kind of interesting. And our last story here, speaking of, and our last story here, one cruise line is bringing back testing, kind of, I guess, depending on where you're coming from. Right, exactly. This probably isn't entirely, you know, a a huge surprise, given that we're seeing over in places like Hong Kong, um, really big increases in COVID. But uh, I happen to be traveling on Norwegian Cruise Line next week. I'm doing a quick five day to Bermuda out of New York City. And I received a letter, as did passengers on all Norwegian cruise ships, no matter where they are sailing out of, saying that if you have been to mainland China or Hong Kong, places like that, um, you will need to do a COVID test, present a negative COVID test, just like we had to do, you know, not, not all that long ago. All of us had to do. Uh, This will be true, like I said, for all Norwegian cruise lines moving forward. They haven't said how long this will go on. It'll probably depend on what the situation is overseas. But you will need to provide, if you have been to, either have been to um, overseas, to China, Hong Kong, places like that, or if you have a passport that originates there. So even if you are living here now, but your passport is from Hong Kong, apparently, you will need to provide a negative COVID test before they're going to allow you to board the ship at the port. I'd be so much happier if I'd never heard to hear you say a negative COVID test to board the ship. (laughs) You know, I won't lie. I mean, they don't require it anymore, but I do actually take, I take a test every time before I get on a ship. Staff writer Richard Sims, as always. Thank you, buddy. Thanks and happy new year to everybody. Just back from a cruise. Let's talk about it. Email Doug at cruiseradio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. 
How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. You're listening to Cruise Radio, America's trusted voice of the cruise industry. So Mark and his friend just returned from a seven-night cruise on Royal Caribbean's Serenade of the Seas. It was a cruise to Southeast Alaska, round trip from Vancouver. Mark joins us on the line. How you doing, my friend? Uh, thanks, Doug. Fine. Great to have you here. Before we get to the ship itself, as we always do, we're going to take a step back. So give me some mm-hmm. pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this seven-night out of Vancouver to Southeast Alaska? Uh, a little bit out of COVID necessity, I'd say. I was originally booked on the Anthem out of New Jersey back in January, back when Royal Caribbean had that guarantee that if you tested positive, they were in charge of getting you home safe. And the day they took that off, I canceled. And then I said, well, I wonder where Vancouver goes. And I've never done Alaska before. I've done everywhere else, but I've never done Alaska. And I said, oh, Vancouver to Vancouver, a lot less uh, strict on me because I am Canadian. So that kind of sealed the deal. I know you're in Ottawa, but yeah. as a Canadian, when they go to another city, do they spend a couple of extra days um, like we do if we go to Miami or New York City? I would have, but I've been to Vancouver several times. A brother lives there and, you know, to visit and stuff. So I just went in the day before and uh, the friend I went with as well, he'd been there multiple times. So we had really no reason to go and sightsee or anything like that. So we just showed up the day before, late in the day. Well, let's talk about the ship. You get to the Canada Place Cruise Terminal there in Vancouver. How was embarkation mm-hmm. for you? A total nightmare. The worst I've had in 13 cruises. And we stayed at the um, the Pan Pacific right there, like on the dock. And uh, little did I know that they actually have a service there where if you give them their luggage, they're going to get it to the porters for you. You don't have to go into the lineups or anything like that. But I didn't know that. So in the Pan Pacific lobby, there's an elevator that says, uh, you know, cruise port. And it takes you down two parking levels below. So we hit that. We were scheduled for 1130. Get down there 1130 and it's just, it's, it's a total disaster. There's like literally almost a thousand people. There were three ships all kind of loading up at once and they shuffled that into these lines and we waited and waited with our luggage and then maybe five or six of us at a time into an elevator with our luggage up to the first parking level where the porters were in there in the garage. And then they shuffle you back down to the line you were before and you had to wait there and then go through customs and all like the, the, you know, when you sign in and all that kind of stuff. And I had pre-signed in 55 minutes Yikes. from the elevator to the ship. I heard stories of people who came in, took them 20 minutes because the lifts and the Ubers were smart enough that they stayed in P1 level of the parking garage, dropped them right where the porters were, and they just went straight in. So it was a mess. It was just chaos all over the place. I have never seen that before anywhere. So. Well, you make your way on board Serenade of the Seas. Was yes. this your first time sailing this ship? That particular one, yes. Yeah. yeah. What was your first impressions as you walked on board? Very nice. I wasn't sure because of the age and everything. I know there was a little bit of a dry dock, but uh, the carpets looked new. Everything's clean. There was no rust anywhere. There was no molding issues. It was all the art kind of looked maybe like there was a lot of new artwork on board or they keep it really, really nice looking. Didn't feel crowded at all. I got different stories on what capacity was on there totally satisfied i'm used to the bigger ones like the last one i've done was symphony and before that was i think Allure, and before that was you know 
I like to do the big ones. And I hadn't been on a small ship like this in a long time. So it was kind of a kind of a fun thing too. And there's lots of glass on the ship. So it's kind of nice to get back to classic cruising type thing. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I bet. So you make yeah. your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you have for this seven night cruise? And what were your impressions of it? I got a large porthole. I figured like originally I was supposed to do this cruise by myself. And, you know, solo, you're paying the price for it. So I didn't want to skip up to a balcony because I'm the guy who gets up and just heads outside anyways mm-hmm. but then this buddy of mine literally a week and a half before i said hey listen i've already paid for this thing like you need some time off let's go so he came with me but the room was big enough for both of us it was a little bit bigger than your typical 172 square feet felt more like you know 180 185 great shape everything storage galore more storage you knew what to do with the only thing was you know not a not a whole lot of usb ports they haven't upgraded the technology in there Mm-hmm. so you kind of had to charge everything over by the uh you know by the chair and the mirror and stuff like that real shower door so hey that's all you could ask for right <laughs> absolutely i was yeah. a little worried about that let's talk about the dining on board the ship we'll start up at the windjammer uh the buffet area how was that for this six or seven night cruise i actually hit the windjammer once because what we did is we got there's a too good of a deal to give up it was 195 for the week at the specialty restaurants unlimited so didn't even make it to the dining room. I tried once just for the sake of this review. I said, I have to go to the dining room at least once. And we attempted uh-huh. to go for lunch. Sure enough, it just closed. So I can't speak to the dining room. Windjammer looked pretty good, though. Lots of choices, not crowded. It's huge Windjammer for small a ship as it is. So pretty good. Yeah, it was breakfast, though. So yeah, very good. So what kind of specialty restaurants did you do on this cruise? They had the Giovanni's, the Izumi, and they had the Chops. So we just mixed it up, just one to the other to the next, you know, lunch, dinner, just flop back and forth. Izumi is always my favorite, even though I don't eat seafood. Just the other stuff they make is so good that I love going there. Yeah, we just bounce back and forth between them. Does the Izumi's on this ship have the teppanyaki table as well? No, no, no it's gotcha. a very small one. They, they stuck it the back of the ship up on like where the basketball courts are. Gotcha. But no, I know. It's and, disappointing. And then Giovanni's, is that different than um, like Jamie's Italian? Yes. Okay. Is I think it, Giovanni's was... Like the original or... Original, yeah. last Giovanni's I saw, I think, was on like the Adventure of the Seas. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Like okay. Ever since then, it's been Jamie's. Uh, gotcha. Still good. Menu's the same, believe it or not, over the years. It hasn't changed. Hmm. Especially the restaurants were good. I'm not going to bash them. But I've been in a lot of the other ships with the same specialty restaurants and seems to me it was better on those ships. So I don't know if it's a staff issue or it was great, but it wasn't like that where you walk out of the steakhouse and you're like, oh, my God, that's the best thing I've ever had in my life. You didn't get that feeling. Sure. Any other food that you picked out, like uh, maybe pizza or like a the cafe around the ship or anything like that? Yeah. Uh, once in a while, promenade, whatever, just grab a snack. But um, we were big on on late night and, uh, you know, not going for the big breakfast, but the big lunch and the big dinner. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, you know, they had a, a, what they call a park cafe and I'm like, Oh, great park cafe. I love those, you know, the sandwiches, the bag of chips, yeah, the, the soups, the salads. It was nothing. It was just like a little setup next to the pool in the uh, solarium. Oh, wow. <laughs> like yes, with some sandwiches wrapped up and, and stuff already done for you sort of thing. So, you know, <laughs> set up for disappointment <laughs> there. Very different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how was the entertainment on this seven night cruise? Not a whole heck of a lot of it. There was always a piano or something playing somewhere, usually in the schooner bar. 
they had two main shows and it was your typical you know um singing and dancing and uh, but they were really really good like the singing was spectacular and they had the real band you know under the stage there was no music being piped in or anything like that there's no recording of anything mm -hmm. and they were really good like I, i sat through and i enjoyed it but it's not mamma mia it's not a nice show it's like i say classic cruising so yeah very enjoyable that was about it though But, Very cool. How, how about around the ship? I mean, like if you're walking through the promenade, does this ship even have a promenade? I know it's an older ship. Oh, no. Okay. Centrum. The atrium. Good yeah. The centrum. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Oh, yes. Yeah. So is there they like have, decent centrum entertainment? Centrum and what is atrium? Is that the same thing? I don't know. The round. Yeah. Right in the middle there. <laughs> right in the middle. Yeah. They had a great guitarist was there most of the time. And then there, somebody would come and she would play. What was she playing? The piano or something. There was pretty much always something going on between the two and it was pretty close all you had to go was one deck up to a little bit towards the back and you were in the biggest schooner bar i've ever seen and there was always oh. somebody playing as well so nice very yeah. cool well let's talk about the sea days on this ship did you find out how packed the ship was or the occupancy during this cruise well our uh, room steward was telling me 80 i was like okay that makes sense because it was really deserted like other than people sitting in the centrum and at the bar there There was almost nobody on the ship, so I'm oh. like, oh, well. okay. And then we were out with the officers one day looking at the glaciers, and we asked them, and they said, no, no, we're, we're over 90%. We're almost full. So I can't tell for sure. Right, yeah. Always conflicting reports from one to mm -hmm. the other. <laughs> It felt well, empty. Well, with you that know, said, how were the sea days with crowds and congestion? No problem at all. None, and, and the smoothest sea days I've ever had in my life sailing was amazing. Not a wave to be found. Nice. And you could walk around outside anywhere. There were people swimming. Solarium pool had plenty of seating. The Centrum was the most sentiment schooner bar where the like, rocking places to be, I guess, because there were a lot of bars that were not open. Hmm. So you kind of had to find the three or four that you can get to. Yeah. Because it didn't have half. So, yeah. Gotcha. But uh, no, it's felt a lot more crowded on, on a lot bigger ships. Gotcha. Very yeah. good. Well, let's talk about the ports of call you hit on this seven-night cruise. What we'll do here is give us the first port of call and a highlight, and we'll move to the next one. Uh, let's see. A couple sea days, and then we hit – where'd we hit first? Ketchikan. Uh, we were three ships in there that day. Did a bit of shopping, and then we had a whale charter booked for like 1.30 in the afternoon. But after we checked out the streets and the shopping and the stores and stuff, we basically didn't know what to do with ourselves. So we were sitting in a bar, a cheesy bar, drinking a beer at 9 a.m. <laughs> nice. But you have to remember, it's a four-hour time difference for me. So for me, yeah. it was 1 p.m. Yeah, hey, however <laughs> you want to justify it, Mark, that's fine. That's my justification. I'm standing <laughs> yeah. by it. But finally, the uh, the tour operator sends me a text said, hey, uh, we're short a couple if you want to go out earlier. So they took us out earlier. So that was fun. Saw some whales and stuff. Pretty hot. It was 55 and kind of hazy in the morning. But by the time the afternoon came along, it was it was hot and sunny and beautiful. So that was fun. Nice. Then the next day was Tracy Arm Fjord at 5 a.m. and then Juno in the afternoon. But the night, the, you know how the sun goes down like at 12 there. We were sailing along beautiful sunny skies heading up towards Tracy Arm and Juno. And I look out while well, the sun's going by and there's like apocalyptic fog. They call them fog avalanches apparently. Huh. It just came over the mountains and it was coming right at the ship and it was like three stories high. And all the staff and the crew and everything were all going out on deck and looking at it going, what the heck is that? <laughs> it was the weirdest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> so we sailed right into that. But by the time we got to uh, Tracy Arm Ford next morning, oh boy, 
you know, you turn over in bed, look out the window and all you see is a wall of rocks with waterfalls and it was sunny. Nice. So that was amazing. We went right up almost to it, but there was a few little icebergs that they were kind of worried about that Mm -hmm. were too close to shore. So we got to where we could see it, but then they turn around and, you know, it's like a four hour in and out trip in there. And it's just, just amazing. Then made our way over to Juneau and Juneau was sunny and 79 degrees and everybody getting off the ship was taking off layers of clothes and joking that, hey, I thought we were going to Caribbean. You know? right. <laughs> so we took that, um, I think you've talked about it before, to, to Mendenhall. There's like this bus. You can mm, take the school bus? Five bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The guy's really funny telling jokes the whole way. Uh-huh. So we took that over to Mendenhall and I took my I took my drone out there too over the falls and over the glacier and then uh, came back into town and then we hit that Red Dog Saloon. Oh, yeah. You must have been. That's the craziest place I've ever seen. And had lunch in there and had a really good time. Then just headed back to the ship and hit the bar and, you know, hit the food. Nice. Uh, Day five was uh, Hubbard Glacier. And that was, again, spectacular. We rolled in there, full sunshine, not a cloud in the sky. You can see, like, the giant mountains way off and far, far in there. And what we did is he pulled us in where we were pretty close to it. And then they stopped and we just parked there for like an hour, not moving. And everybody's like, oh, that's too bad. We're not going to get in there. You know, we could see it. But uh, uh, all of a sudden the ship started moving and he mm-hmm. made his way in. Like he wormed his way in through the icebergs all the way up to the front of it and parked there like a postcard. Mm-hmm. And some officers were outside and we said, hey, well, why would we wait an hour? And he said, we got a local pilot from Alaska to come and help us steer it in. Because these guys, they can look just at the ice and they know right away that's how awesome. thick it is and where to go and what not to do. Yeah. And we were standing out there in the sun. And all of a sudden, you had these big, like, breach just fall off, like, and it's like a sonic boom to come mm-hmm. out. And you could see the waves coming towards the boat and everything. It's just amazing. Day six, we went to Sitka and we just did the get off, took the bus over down to Sitka. Nothing exciting going on there, really. We just walked the town a bit, you know, some nice little old type buildings and stuff. But we went back to the boat, spent the afternoon on the boat. I was burnt at that point, too. So <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Day so then, six, I think, is when the COVID fatigueness started to set in. I because I was so tired that night and I couldn't explain it. But after the fact, I guess I found out why, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, that's what it was. So after Sitka, would you have a sea day then back to Vancouver? Yeah, back to Vancouver, we did the self assist eight thirty a.m. Took us fifteen minutes to get off. Uh, they don't have like their facial recognition or anything there. Yeah. They just have the kiosk. You go and use yourself. You just scan your passport and you, just, you get the ding, the green light, and you just walk through. Mm-hmm. And uh, we waited for a taxi. Taxi was about 15, 20 minutes. Pretty big lineup, but, you know, reasonable. Yeah. And headed right back to the airport, and that was it. Very good. Any first-time tips to offer someone sailing Serenade or cruising out of Vancouver? There was one little surprise. Uh, You know, we'd done the pre-boarding on the app and everything where you show your proof of vaccinations, and you get the little scanning codes and everything. But then in the chaos with all these hundreds of people going into the terminal— you had people who literally got up in front of the line and said, what, I need to be vaccinated? Oh, or boy. I didn't even know they needed to be tested. So that was holding everybody back. So we thought we were real smart. You know, I'm holding my passport out. I'm holding my app up in her face. And she says, do you have your proof of vaccination? I go, well, it's already in the app. She says, no, we're asking for it anyways. So, you know, you got to go dig back through your photos on your phone. So maybe have that ready, even though they say it's all done through the app. You can get a little nasty surprise in front of the line there. Other than that, if you do need Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi was extremely slow when it worked. 
So if you're going to work on board and we had nice weather on top of that, so maybe I wouldn't even maybe pay for it. I'd just maybe take a day or two of it because I, I prepaid for a whole week and it was just a waste of time. Yeah. Barely work. Yeah. Hey, Mark, how was it as far as the casino uh, with the cigarette smoke in or uh, outside of it? I knew you would be asking that. So I went in there on a few missions for you. It was good because as you walked in, the casino is open at both ends. You got to kind of get through it to get to the pub in the back. And uh, as you walked in, you can smell that they were pushing in air freshener scents or whatever it is. I don't know what it is, but to kind of make it smell a little better. And I went right where they were smoking. I walked right past them. I hate smoke. I can barely, like I, if there's a car in front of me and the guy's smoking in the car, I can smell it behind him. And I could barely smell it. I walked through several times and it was really, really well done. I don't know if the ventilation with all the COVID maybe has got so much better or, sure. but not at all. Gotcha. That's good to it hear though. The pub thing too was kind of disappointing because they didn't have the staff for it. Beautiful, large, you know, beer yeah. pub. You can go sit in there if you wanted. TV was on, but that's it. You couldn't order anything. You couldn't. And apparently the radiance, the week after I got off, the radiance dropped off three crew just to go turn on that, to get the pub up and running again. So I missed it by a week. Wow. Well, yeah. looking, looking back, what was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Oh, weather, weather, the weather and the weather. Like to me and the scenery. Like, I mean, I, I, I thought Alaska would be nice, but that was ridiculous. Like I've been to the Rockies. I've been to Europe. I've been to Italy. I've been, I've seen a lot of mountains in my life, but just with the weather and maybe maybe my expectations were low. Everybody said, oh, you're going to cruise to Alaska. Mm, might get some fog, might not see too much. You know, and you hear these stories, people being disappointed, but we just got the best weather ever. It was sunny the whole week and warm and it was great. Nice. Yeah. Do you think that, in your opinion, is Alaska a place that is a bucket list, like kind of a one and done place? Or could you see yourself not necessarily next year, but down the road returning? No, I promised myself and I was joking with the officers on deck when we were looking at that glacier fall apart. And I turned over, I said, well, this is my last cruise to Alaska ever in my life. <laughs> and they knew they started laughing. They said, yeah, you're not going to beat this. Yeah. <laughs> they said, this is very rare, A, that we get up this close and it's so clear. And everywhere we went was perfect. So I'm like, well, I, I've done it. Maybe I'd do different ports. Maybe I could, I sure. could see myself that. Yeah. But uh, there's no way I'm going to match that again. It's just not going to happen. Or if I'd go back, maybe I'd go back on uh, what's going up there, the ovation, just for the more entertaining part of it, maybe, sure. instead of the classic sailing, looking out the window, which was great, but uh, different type of cruise altogether, right? Well, it sounds like this one sure, certainly checked all the boxes for you. Uh, your final thoughts of Serenade of the Seas? It's a great ship. Don't expect, like I say, I was, but my last one was a symphony. My next one is a Celebrity Beyond, so I'm going back into the big boys. But my whole my whole goal here was really to get back to where you can walk down anywhere in the hallway and there's windows everywhere, mm-hmm. look outside just to see the ocean, see the mountains. Old school, you know. Oh yeah. Didn't need didn't need the zip line, didn't need the, the, all that kind of stuff. It was nice to do it differently. But if you're going on there with little kids, like I was joking, I have teenage daughters, and I was joking, I said, "You go, you guys are lucky you didn't come with me because a the Wi-Fi didn't work, and there was no like robot screens or." you know, Mamma Mia is playing or anything. They love that stuff. They, that's uh-huh. all they do. They would have been miserable. On the <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. just died. I'm sure. So it's, it's that flavor. It's that, you know, take it for what it is. 
and uh, be careful who you bring on there sort of thing. Yeah, for sure. We've been talking with Mark about his seven-night cruise to Southeast Alaska from Vancouver on Royal Caribbean's Serenade of the Seas. Mark, I'm glad you're feeling better, my friend, and uh, thank you so much for sharing this review, buddy. You as well, my friend. Thank you, Doug. Have a question or a comment for the show? Send an email or voice memo to Doug at cruiseradio.net. All right, let's answer some listener questions. In fielding today's questions is TripInsurance.com's CEO, Dan Silken. Hey, Dan, Happy New Year. Doug, Happy New Year. I hope you had a great holiday, and I hope all your listeners did too. You too, my friend. Now, we got to come out of the gate talking about this because the Christmas travel debacle 2022 was certainly one for the books. What are you seeing on your end? Well, I got to tell you, Doug, when Southwest Airlines melted down, and they were about 90% of the travel delays and problems in the United States with Southwest Airlines. And there were a whole lot of reports coming out of this um, that on how and why the delays happened. Um, part of it was the course weather. I mean, they had Denver and Chicago were socked in with snow. A lot of those planes were frozen uh, in place. And so they had some of the aircraft that just couldn't make it off the ground. But in general, they also had an enormous number of uh, personnel delays. Uh, personnel that were phoning in sick uh, were having having problems there, trying to get personnel on flights, et cetera. And so you're sort of looking at a total collapse across the United States with 2,500 flights in one day. We had some of our own clients uh, phoning in, emailing in, asking to cancel their travel insurance <coughs> because their trip could never make it off the ground. We had one, one client that was trying to make it down to a um, – Mexican cruise and couldn't, couldn't, the, the plane wasn't going to leave. They were told a day in advance by Southwest Airlines that the flight was canceled and they were stuck. And they, but they got, we're going to get their money back because they couldn't make it there. And so they asked to cancel their insurance. And because they hadn't departed yet and they had bought the insurance in the last minute, we were happy to uh, refund their plan. But looking at this right now, a lot of the clients, I mean, you've gotten an awful lot of questions about about how an airline delay would affect um, your cruises, haven't you, from your, from your listeners? Yeah, I received about a dozen emails about people who couldn't get to their ships over the flights being canceled or the snow or whatnot. And I was just like, you have to contact your cruise line. I don't know what to tell you, but I wish I could say something uh, aside from, man, I really wish you had a travel insurance policy. So if you miss your trip due to a travel delay of a common carrier, and in this particular case, weather or personnel charge, you know, uh, problems, et cetera, is a common carrier delay, in this case, Southwest. If you miss the departure of your cruise because you couldn't make it to the departure port, a travel insurance plan, everyone that I knew of on the market, will cover you for, uh, for a trip interruption to get you to the next port of call. Typically, the issue is that a lot of those New Year's or Christmas um, cruises are sort of a, a very short, you know, it's a four or five day cruise. There isn't a whole lot of time involved. And Southwest melted down for, if you'll excuse the pun, for a, a good week. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of people that just couldn't get a flight for a whole week. And in that particular case, they were going to miss more than half the cruise or the entire cruise. If, if there are a lot of products on the market, U.S. Fire is one of them, that has a provision that if you miss more than 50% of the trip because of a common carrier delay, they'll cover you for cancellation, and you can get all your cancellation penalties covered by the insurance, including the cost of your Southwest airline ticket, 
including the cost of the, the cruise itself. Now, a lot of the cruises would give you travel credit. Um, Southwest Airlines would give you travel credit. They'd love it if you'd take travel credit. You're not required to take travel credits in that particular case. You can tell the insurance company, I'm not going to use the travel credits, and the insurance company will pay you um, your loss. They'll, they'll cover it. Now, Southwest Airlines, in this particular case, that they would flat out cancel the flight because they couldn't provide you transportation. They owe your money back on that portion of the ticket. The question is, what if if your return flight was a week later and they did provide transportation? Here, the travel insurance will cover the cost to get you, you back home. Um, so um, that's an important thing to think about when you're taking one of these last-minute cruises and how you deal with it. But um, Doug, there was an awful lot more people affected just trying to travel to their families over the holidays. And travel insurance can, can seriously help in this, in this regard. Southwest Airlines is not required to provide hotel or food vouchers in the event of a weather delay. So all of the passengers that were stranded were, had to bear the cost of housing in you know, a, a hotel. They would have to cover the cost of their food while they're stuck uh, um, trying to get home. Um, We had, we had a couple of clients that were stuck up in Buffalo and they couldn't even, even if the airport was running, they couldn't have made it to the airport because there was a moratorium of of being able to drive on the streets up there because of the state of emergency in Buffalo. All of that was covered. The extra cost of their Airbnb was covered. The, the cost of changing their flights and everything else like that. And they weren't on Southwest. So just having the travel insurance on domestic travel is a big boon. Um, and the travel insurance would cover you the cost of housing. So in this particular case, it doesn't matter. You don't have to wait in line for Southwest to give you a voucher, for instance, for, um, for a hotel if they have a mechanical breakdown or some other reason why they have to pay for your hotel. You don't have to wait for them. You just make, get on the phone and make a reservation at, at, at a decent hotel and the travel insurance will cover it up until the cost of, of the limits of the plan. Um, the other problem for a lot of the passengers was that Southwest doesn't have any reciprocal agreements with any other airlines with regard to providing transportation. So if you, if Southwest can't provide you transportation on one of their flights, in this particular case, they were shut down all week, there was no way to roll you over to any other airline if seats were available because they have no reciprocal agreements. And there's no way for any other airlines to roll people over to Southwest flights because those agreements don't exist. I am suspecting that the FAA may step in and demand that all airlines have reciprocal agreements because you had way too many passengers that were just flat out stuck because they would have had to bear the total cost of a new ticket in order to fly anywhere because Southwest wasn't able to provide them transportation and had no agreements with any other airline. Travel insurance will cover you. There is always a travel delay portion of your plan that will cover you in the event that you have to pay for extra transportation costs. This is a perfect example where you might have had to buy a ticket on American or United or Alaska in order to get home or get to your family um, when Southwest couldn't provide transportation. So having that travel insurance, even for a domestic ticket where you've only paid $350 each, people are surprised at how inexpensive the travel insurance is, but how nice it is to travel knowing that you're covered. 
And we also have some travel insurance questions from listeners here. As we uh, have spoke about last time you were on the show, basically we're coming up on, or we're actually, I guess we're in wave season right now, which is when the cruise lines book about 75% of their inventory now through March for the rest of the year and going into next year. So some listener questions here for you, Dan. Uh, the first one here, what are the most important features cruisers should look for when purchasing a travel insurance policy? Well, Doug, first, since they're booking all of this travel right now with the cruise companies, I would never recommend just clicking through and purchasing the commercial travel insurance offered by the cruise company. There are two different kinds of travel insurance out there. Retail plans that you would buy from a travel agent or a comparison website like tripinsurance.com and the commercial plans that are sold from the travel insurance companies through a cruise company. And those commercial plans eliminate a lot of risk to bring the cost of the plan down um, for the insurance company. Perfect example is they don't cover bankruptcy mm-hmm. of the cruise. And you had a couple of cruise companies that, that went bankrupt this year, you know, and, and the clients were pretty, pretty upset about it. And if they had bought, from a third-party company, they would be covered for bankruptcy. Um, the other thing is that you get better coverage and a better deal if you comparison shop on the web on a site like tripinsurance.com or any one, on one of the web comparison sites. The reason is because you can compare the policy side-by-side for coverage details. And some of, some of them cover the risks that a particular customer or client is concerned about uh, better than others. The other is that insurance is typically priced using pricing tables where they're targeting particular trip cost range or they're targeting uh, to attract uh, a certain age of travelers. And so you can generally get a better deal if you look at features and price side by side because you never know. For your price of trip or for your age bracket, you might get a better deal using that side by side comparison. But getting back to your original question on, well, what features would I look for? First, you want enough medical evacuation coverage to get you home from your cruise location. This is not something to cheap out on this feature because it can be very expensive to get you home. I would look for at least $100,000 in coverage for a Caribbean cruise, maybe $250,000 if I were venturing farther from the United States. Um, If you still got people that are cruising down to Antarctica, I would look at a half a million dollars in coverage to try to get you back home in the event of a medical evac. Um, I think that also you're going to want to look for coverage for a mechanical breakdown of a common carrier. Interestingly enough, this is, this is in the fine, fine um, print of some of these plans that cover you for a de- delay of common carrier, but they may not necessarily cover you for mechanical breakdown. So what if the cruise company takes the boat out of circulation? Mm-hmm. Will you be covered for cancellation in that event? whereas some policies may not necessarily include that feature. So it's, it's look for mechanical breakdown. Do a search for mechanical breakdown of the common carrier in your plan. I know that U.S. Fire definitely covers that. Um, so the other thing is, and I would look at CFAR plans if you're booking some of your own travel. A lot of people can get a much, much better deal if they're booking their own flights. Um, they'll, they'll book the cruise, and you want to ensure from your from your home straight back to your home, door-to-door in your travel dates. But you also want to take a look at a CFAR plan, a a cancel-for-any-reason coverage if you're booking your own flights because the flights are not necessarily covered for cancellation in the event the cruise cancels. 
So as soon as your cruise gets canceled and rebooked, but you bought airline tickets that are non-refundable, your CFAR coverage will cover those airline tickets. A lot of people don't realize, well, wait a minute, the cruise company canceled. What about my flights? Well, you'd be covered under a CFAR plan if your flights, if you got to cancel your flights. So those are a few of the features that, that, that when we're advising cruise customers, that's what we ask them to look for. Our next question, you briefly touched on it a couple of minutes ago. What makes the price of a travel insurance policy go up or down? Is it like buying car or health insurance? Well, a portion of a plan, you're absolutely right, Doug. A portion of a plan is based on your age. Okay, the health insurance coverage, the medical evac coverage is based on your age. Um, and also some of the cancellation coverage is based on age as well. And the older that you get, the higher risk that you may have to cancel for a covered medical reason. So age is one factor. Trip cost is another factor. The higher the trip cost, the higher the cost of the insurance. And the longer your cruise or your longer your trip is, that's the other factor that could affect the cost of the insurance. It turns out that the length of the trip is probably the least impact. Travel insurance is broken into pricing brackets. And so you really want to do a a side-by-side comparison because in some cases, the travel insurance costs may be higher um, uh, with a particular carrier than another. Next question here. If I have to file a claim and I hope that I don't, what paperwork should I make sure that I have? Doug, if if you've got to cancel for a medical reason, please go see a doctor and get the illness recorded with a recommendation to cancel whether you're canceling before you depart for the trip or you're canceling during the trip. You go down and see the doctor on board the ship and have a, have a doctor's visit, have the doctor certify that you were sick, get the paperwork for that, and the recommendation to cancel. We actually had one passenger that came home without seeing a doctor. They got sick on their trip. They said, I got to go home. I don't feel well. They canceled. They flew home. They went to file a claim. They contacted us and said, wait a minute, the insurance company is refusing the claim. And we're, we're looking at the details and said, did you go see a doctor? Was there any proof that you didn't cancel because you just didn't feel like traveling? Is there that there was an actual medical reason? No, we never saw the doctor. And said, oh, man, there's no way we'll get you coverage if you don't have some kind of proof that you've gotten sick. So that's the first thing is you're absolutely right. You need uh, proof of the doctor's visit, et cetera, if you're canceling for a medical reason. If, for instance, you've got an an accident on the way to um, the departure port in your in your car, if you were driving to your departure, a copy of you, you got to get the police to do a um, a uh, an accident report so that you've got some some backup for that. You're going to want receipts for the original time when you purchased the, the cruise and all of your all of your expenses that you you paid for for the trip, plus a copy of the cancellation, the receipts that you got back for cancellation showing what penalties uh, you were charged. And with those, you, you should be able to file the claim and, and shouldn't have any problem. There are uh, any customers that have purchased on tripinsurance.com if they have any issues trying to figure out how to document their claim or need help getting their claim expedited, we're, we're happy to help. Just send us a, an email at support at tripinsurance.com. So basically, you need to make sure you have proof that you were injured, you saw it. They're not going to take your word for it. Never. Okay. For instance, canceling for COVID, they need a third-party verific- verified test. You know, go down to the, the pharmacy, get tested for COVID. They can't take your word for it with a home test, for instance. They need a third-party to verify that you actually had COVID. 
Gotcha. And our last question here comes from Debbie. We live in upstate New York and are worried about making our ship next month, especially because we are booked on Southwest Airlines to get to Fort Lauderdale. If we have a weather delay and miss the ship, will we be reimbursed for the entire cruise if we don't want to go through the trouble of catching the ship in Nassau? It's only a four-day cruise. In that case, if you're going to miss more than 50% of the cruise, if that feature is included with the travel insurance policy, then, yeah, you could file and cancel, and uh, they will cover your cancellation penalties up to the coverage limits, which w- would be fine. So you, you, you should be covered as long as you've got travel insurance in that regard to be able to handle the cancellation of the cruise. And this gets down to any kind of common carrier delay that causes you to miss more than 50% of the trip. Very good. Dan, if we have any questions, where can we get a hold of you? Doug, even if you haven't bought your, your travel insurance from us, we are happy to help with any questions that, uh, that your listeners have. Just send us an email at supportedtripinsurance.com. If you need some quotes, uh, you can hit our website or, or send us your travel details. We're happy to help you pick out a plan to cover your next cruise. As always, Dan, I sure appreciate it. Dan Skilkin, president of TripInsurance.com. Thanks for taking the time, my friend. Thanks, Doug. You have questions. We have answers. Get the whole story on cruiseradio.net.